few of us are making a trip to Peru at the end of this week, and that's been, you know, forefront of my mind for many weeks. I think it was after the uh, drama training on the 19th of May, I made a list of 68 things I needed to do before I could leave work and go to Peru. <laughs> and uh, by last uh, Monday, which was a holiday for most people, I had gotten to number 38. Um, so, uh, God willing, I'm going to finish and um, uh, he's going to make a way. Um, I've been seeing that, you know, through all, through all this season that um, God has some big plans for us, I believe, and I don't know all what they are, but <clears throat> I'm looking forward to this trip. Um, you know, during the drama uh, this year, I'm the tree mime, and the mimes stand there and do some uh, mime <laughs> expression or something for long periods. And, you know, at first, you're just trying to learn your part. When do you come out and what do you do? But um, since I've done this a few times, I get to think about the meaning of what we are showing. And um, there are a lot of messages, powerful messages, in the story of the drama we do called Toymaker and Son. Um, and this year, uh, for, what, for, 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 for many reasons, I guess, the, uh, the, the idea or the meaning that has stuck with my mind has been uh, the grace of God. We're... We're showing many things, the creation, the um, uh, God sending Jesus into the world, the, uh, the fall of man, the um, rejection of, of, of the Son by <laughs> uh, the world, and the, uh, the crucifixion, and then resurrection um, of Jesus. And uh, I see... Uh, you know, a lot of messages there, but I've been thinking about grace. So um, that was kind of the the word I was, I was looking at for the message today. Um, just academically, you know, grace in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is kayene, but um, it appears in the uh, in the Bible for the first time in the Genesis six eight, where the word is used. Noah found favor with God. So um, grace means favor. Um, <clears throat> and um, in the uh, New Testament, they have uh, a different word, the Greek word, kreas, uh, and uh, the idea of uh, grace in action or in manner. Um, and the Bible has many messages about, about grace, both in the Old and the New Testament. But I thought we would... <clears throat> Look in Romans, um, and the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of uh, chapter 6. Um, Paul is writing and uh, talking about uh, how uh, Adam's sin has um, <clears throat> resulted in uh, uh, the fact that all have sinned. And um, <clears throat> there at the end of, of Romans 5, um, he's discussing the impact of Adam's sin and the state of man that is being in rebellion to God. Um, but then he says, you know, where 
uh, sin abounded in Adam, God's grace abounded even more in Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus came to overcome, to overturn the effects of, of Adam's sin. Uh, and God's strategy, you know, was to overcome sin and death by sending his son to live, you know, a perfect life, to die for our sins and be resurrected in life. And um, Paul is a uh, very good teacher, um, and I see that in the way he writes. He, he often anticipates the way something might be misunderstood, and then he writes to clarify um, and so he's doing that at the end of, of chapter 5 and beginning of, of chapter 6 where he, he says, you know, this idea that we might misunderstand um, grace, namely misunderstanding that, you know, maybe we should continue in sin, magnifying the grace of God more. Uh, and this, of course, he refutes with saying, you know, by no means. <laughs> so uh, in the beginning of uh, Romans 6, it says, um, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And then he begins to talk about our, our uh, unity with Christ, our um, identification with, with the Lord in his death and resurrection to a new life. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in newness of life for if we have been united with him in death like this we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like this we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has domination over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, if you, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make your to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dom dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. God's sovereign grace. And so God through Christ made us alive, and each member, I mean, sorry, each life matters so much to him. Grace is what we receive. It is God's favor. And I believe it is something that should be reflected in our the way that we live, the way that we share, um, you know, showing that God first loved us. And I think there are many examples of, of grace in action. Um, and one of them is, is when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. You all know this. There's a rich man with two sons. And the younger son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance now. 
And the father gives it to him. And he goes away for many years and squanders it. And ends up poor and destitute. His so-called friends leave him. And then he realizes who he is. And that he can return back to his father's house. And the father has been waiting for his son to come back. And he sees him in the distance. And he runs to meet him. He accepts him back into the family. It doesn't matter what he's done, that he's squandered his, his wealth, um, that he's made bad decisions. And he's, the father puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, and throws a banquet in his honor. Because this was his son, and he had returned. And he was again accepted by the Father. And I think this is the way God loves us. And this is an example of his, of his grace, that he accepts us. He loves us. He sees in us something left to love. Um, and I pray that I can learn to do that about other people as well. Um, so in this first part of Romans 6, I think, as I said before, there are two main my main ideas. One is our new identity in Christ. And the second is our new life in Christ. And so we have this idea that Christ is in you and that we are unified with Christ in his death and, and, we, and we have new life in his resurrection. <clears throat> and Paul unpacks this as we read through the, the verses. And I want to point out that the, the idea of grace is a radical concept that we don't find in the other world's religions or the religions of the world. Right? They, they don't have this concept of unmerited favor from God. In um, other of the in the world's religions, we have to do something uh, in order to earn God's favor or um, God's blessing. We must try harder. We must be better. They say we must live morally. Uh, all the various religions of the world have sort of a self-help uh, merit of uh, based restoration with God, whether it's the the Eightfold Path of Buddhism or the idea of karma and resurrection or reincarnation rather with uh, Hinduism or the, you know, some cults that have certain laws and ordinances like in the Mormon church or the four pillars of Islam. It's only the Christian faith that suggests or includes the idea that God offers relationship to people on the basis of pure grace. <clears throat> so as Paul is explaining here we identify ourselves with Christ and what does identity mean identity is what drives us it's, it's what we identify who we are with um, you know, and so in, in verse 3 it says do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. And in this uh, section here, we have this idea, sort of like horticulture language, where they graft, they graft a plant into the source of life. So um, we are we are grafted into God's family. We are given new life, and we are um, <clears throat> united with Him. Christ is what then drives us going forward. You know on a path to <clears throat> righteousness imputed through Christ. You know, Colossians 3, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So whatever is true of Jesus is is true of us. It's his uh, we are in right standing with God through Christ imputed righteousness comes. It's as if we've been adopted into a rich family and now we have the uh, now these the many things are available to us um, that we're not <coughs> Before, um, we are no longer limited by our capability, but we have God's riches to draw from. You know, God teaches me, seems like about every other year, I find myself thinking smaller. And God says to me, you're not thinking big enough about eternal life, about the kingdom of God. And I catch myself thinking, you know, eternal life is just like life now, but longer. And, and God says to me, you're not thinking big enough. You know, God, God created us for wonderful things. He, he had wonderful designs for each of us. And <clears throat> when we have new life in Christ, then these things become possible. It's as if there were circuits in my brain that were dead and disconnected. But he knows they were there because he made them. And in new life in Christ, they, they get turned on, <laughs> and and so, you know, we 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 th- we think bigger of, of God's plans and God's purposes. It's as if when when we have new life, God's going to build a house. He's going to live with us. And in my mind, I see the foundation being laid and the the drainage being set, and and. Then God does some things that I don't expect. There's a foundation for a second wing and a third wing and a third floor and a fourth floor and a, and a big garage and a barn and a huge courtyard. God's building a mansion. He's not building a small cottage because his plans are bigger than that. So when Christ comes in, it's it's to interact, right? Eternal life is not just longer; it's more. And I think um, Paul, who's who's written a lot about grace, was in a a, a very unique position to understand uh, the difference that it makes, or the 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 power of God's grace, because he writes describing himself, "I am the least of all apostles." 
you know, before he met Christ, he he probably thought he deserved God's favor. He had been a, a Pharisee. He had he had uh, been circumcised. He was from a, uh, the right family, and he'd been trained by a famous Jewish rabbi, and 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 um, he had been very zealous for religion. Um, but later, when he he writes about himself, he says, "You know, I am the least of all apostles." Um, so he understood. God's grace, you know, in his ministry after his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, he accomplished great things through the Lord, but he gives all the credit to God. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, starting in verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I think he would add, you know, and nothing else, <laughs> by nothing else, by the grace of God alone, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, it says. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. The grace of God that is with me. You know, and he, he gives all the glory, all the, all, the, all, this, all the things he did, all the places he went, all the people he ministered to. It was by the grace of God that was with him. And, you know, uh, when we're living in sin and, and living in the world, there's, there's a hardness of our heart. <laughs> but Christ conquers the hardness of our hearts. And he, he conquered the hardness of Paul's heart. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we go to uh, Peru... I'm, I'm always amazed that God uses us so much as he does. Uh, our presentation of the gospel is, is imperfect and amateur, but, um, you know, we, we, we go and do the part that we can, um, and we do it very well, but we're amateur actors. We are not, you know, professional in any way, but Christ uses, God uses us uh, to bring a message of salvation and hope communicating his grace um, to the people that he draws. I mean, that's the other thing that always surprises me is that anybody comes to see. You know, we, we show up, we make a lot of noise, we wear uh, funny costumes or, or strange costumes maybe, and, um, and, and the people come to hear a message that could change their lives forever um, and God is the one drawing them. You know, we're just there as the messengers. We just convey the truth as best we can, imperfect as that may be. And, and God does the drawing, and, and he's the one that, you know, changes people's hearts. Um, they come and they stay. You know, our presentation is 20 minutes, but we have some uh, things we do before the drama for 15 minutes or so and then there's the time afterwards and um, we present the gospel and pray with people and it, so it's at least an hour or more and people come and they then they stay um, because God draws them and that's his grace softening hearts conquering the human hardness of heart you know Ephesians 2 4 it says but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know, so Saul, Saul was dead. We all were dead. 
blind to the truth, deaf to the truth. But in a moment, um, he he claimed he was claimed. Saul was claimed by Jesus. You know, new life entered, and Saul had nothing to do with it. It was God who did the saving. It was God who did the changing. And I think this was, this is very surprising. This is one example of the surprising aspect of the sovereign grace of God that that He would choose a um, a man who had persecuted the church to become uh, apostle and and go and and proclaim the good news around the world at the time. Um, but God is the one doing it. He, he's the one that changes the stubborn heart. Um, we just put the truth out there. Um, God makes the difference. So Paul was a Pharisee. Uh, he he writes in uh, Philippians three four again talking about his uh, you know the, the uh, who he was before and and um, he says you know and, and how how he felt like he had done all the right things following uh, the religion of the day. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. But whatever I gain, he says, I count it as loss. For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. So this is the effect that God's grace had on Paul. He says, his grace to me was not without effect. It was significant. It was the significant thing. Um, <clears throat> he felt that he was, again, the least of all the apostles. Um, but indeed, God used him for great things. <clears throat> you know, C.S. Lewis said, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. It's on his Twitter account. If you didn't realize... C.S. Lewis has a Twitter page. I know it's not really him, but there are some true things on Twitter, and that's one place you could find them. Uh, so check check that Twitter account if you ever want. But you know, back to Romans six. You know, in verse six we pick up and says, "We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing." so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one who has died, <clears throat> I'm sorry, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead <clears throat> will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives for God. Um, so Jesus came to do more than wipe the slate clean he came to save us from the power of sin you know at the end of this section in verse 
16, it says, do you not? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And righteousness means you're in right standing with God. And that's imputed by Christ. <clears throat> oh, thank you. And I think Paul is just making it very clear here that from a spiritual perspective, <clears throat> there's a binary condition. We either follow God and serve God in the sense of the first commandment, or we serve sin. And something else is our little G, God. Um, Everybody lives for something, right? For money, for family, for career. Um, and that's our spiritual master. And, and Paul is saying, you cannot have Jesus as Savior and not as Lord too. You know, Matthew five seventeen it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So it's not law versus grace. It's the, if you understand grace, it's grace and law. We do not keep the laws to get into the relationship with God. But once that is done, we follow the laws by his grace. We are able to do so. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I like this here where it's talking about we are his workmanship. He made us and he put in us the capacity to do great things. And and he is reminding us of this, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And he's the one that prepared it beforehand and he's the one that will carry it out in his time and in his way. But it is by grace that we have been saved through faith in Christ. So Jesus came to do more than wipe the slate clean. He came to save us from the power of sin. And this is one of the things that is in the drama that we do that um, I have seen from kind of both sides. The first year when I did the drama, I was the king cat. Uh, an evil character um, who ruled by the power of sin is cruel and hurtful and and rejects the son and crucifies him and and then I, later I was the toy maker and i I remember the scene in the drama where we have this mime wall, a row of mimes that are presenting representing sin, the, 
the anger, the cruelty, the anxiousness, the fear, the pride, all these things are represented. And in mime, the, the toy maker says to the son that he's going to send him into the world so that all of this, pointing to the sin, may be broken. It's like you have a stick in your hand and you break it. And that's why Jesus came, was to break that power of sin and the power of death. And in, in the drama representing the influence of sin, um, they have the evil magician uh, who comes out and um, tempts Adam and he uh, takes the apple from the, the tree um, and then after that in the drama you see this scene where um, all of creation is broken the mimes fall down dead the tree is, is broken the uh, prince and the princess uh, representing Adam and Eve they, they also are pushed down and then there's this scene where the evil magician makes them all rise up and then there's sin in the world the, the mimes rise up to be represent sin and the prince and princess are cruel to each other and and then there's the scene when when the cats come in i know i had to do this <laughs> when i was king cat that they do this dance where all of the toys follow suit like they're puppets you know the the, the cat raises their arm like this and all the toys follow and then the cat raises their arm like this and all the toys follow and then they do this this dance, but all of them synchronize with what the cats are doing, as if they were under the control of sin. And so I, when I say there's a lot of messages in the drama, this is what I mean. So it's all the more significant, I think, at the end when, or towards the middle when the, the power of sin is broken. Um, and of course, um, the, the king cat is the one who leads the the charge to kill the son, um, but that's not the end of the story. Um, there's the scene where the toy maker comes out, and by his power, the son is resurrected and breaks the power of sin and then offers new life to many of the toys. And some of them accept it and some of them reject it. But um, I think it's very significant to say, you know, Christ died. For did more than just wipe the slate clean. He came to break the power of sin um, <clears throat> so that we would know God's grace, his sovereign grace um, going forward and that we would not think small, but we would think bigger. So I ask you today, how has God's grace changed you? And, you know, is God saying to you, don't think small, think bigger? So this is the message I hope that we can share in Peru. I do ask you all to pray for us to, that we would have God's grace in traveling all the places that we're going and uh, getting through customs and, and um, all of the you know, procedures and administration stuff that just to get where we're going and um, and also just that, uh, you know, through, the, through our imperfect presentation, um, 
we would we would clearly explain and represent the the gospel and and by God's sovereign grace <laughs> we will be able to do that so we pray in closing Lord we thank you uh, for your amazing grace uh, that you have taken us from death and given us new life and Lord we ask you to Show us the truth of this scripture uh, that we might know new life and have new hope and have a message, uh, a message to tell about your amazing, amazing grace. Lord, you set us on a path to righteousness and we thank you for that. Help us to walk it out each and every day. And we ask this in Jesus name. Thirty-seven. Thirty.